Praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth. Thank you for joining me today as we continue our teachings here in the book of Leviticus. I know you have been blessed. Okay. So I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who have donated into this podcast ministry. And we thank you very much because your uh, support, your financial donation is helping us to produce more programs. And for those of you who have not yet uh, supported us financially, I want to personally ask you to please help us with a financial donation so we can produce more programs because uh, while you are getting this for free, it costs a lot of money to produce these programs, to pay for studio time, etc. So as you are being blessed, please bless us back. Whatever you give into this podcast ministry goes right back into this ministry so we can pay for studio time and produce these shows and reach many, many more uh, people. To donate into this ministry is simple. We do have a safe and secure website. It is uh, slash donate Simple as that. It's safe and secure. Again, slash donate and uh, bless us with a financial donation, whatever amount God puts in your heart, we thank you in advance for doing so. And you can do this anywhere uh, in the world. All you need is uh, internet access. But if you live in the USA and you'd rather use Zelle from your bank, we accept uh, Zelle donations as well. Here is the telephone number you need to make your Zelle donation. It is 909 5 Zero one nine zero three one again nine zero nine five zero one nine zero three one and we also accept donations from Cash App and the name on the Cash App is the dollar sign Dr. Ruth Tani again the dollar sign Dr. Ruth Tani and we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your donation into this ministry that will enable us to produce more programs like this and together we will advance God's work and transform lives with these uh, Bible teachings. Praise the Lord and you be blessed as you listen to today's lesson. Here is the teaching. Welcome to today's teaching. Dr. Ruth continues to explain the other laws out of the book of Leviticus. Okay, we are advancing here in the book of Leviticus. I am so glad that you could join me today with this uh, teaching. In this episode, I will cover uh, Leviticus chapters 12 through 16. Okay, let's begin right along here with uh, chapter 12, which focuses on purification after childbirth. Let's take take a look at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, verse 2, Say to the Israelites, A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. Let me pause there. Listen, as we proceed with these regulations for the woman after uh, childbearing, I want to clarify that this is not saying that something is wrong with uh, childbirth. No. This is not saying that something is wrong with a woman. No. This is not saying that a woman has committed a sin. No. This is not saying that God does not uh, like children. No. Okay. Again, these are good, healthy laws to set the Israelites apart and also for cleanliness. All right, and and to uh, purify the lady after childbirth, so that the excess uh, emissions or secretions of fluid uh, that uh, comes out of the body uh, during and after childbirth uh, can be uh, gotten rid of from her body. She could be uh, cleansed from all of that. If there is any potential germs there, all of that has to be purified and cleansed before she can. Uh, regain fellowship with the community. This is a good thing. And even today, okay, in this 21st century, right after childbirth, during childbirth, the the emissions uh, secretion from the the, 
woman is handled as as um, hazardous or uh, dangerous bodily fluids that have to be disposed in a special area or special uh, container in the hospital. So really, this is this is a good thing. So I don't want for you to think that God does not like children or the woman did something or something is wrong with the childbirth process. None of that at all. This was really good for the woman. And again, remember, back then, medicine was not as advanced uh, to take care of some of these potential infections after childbirth. So God who created the body, was just teaching the women how to purify themselves so they don't end up with some disease. So that is really what that is going on there. So um, I have explained really all of the all of uh, the reason for that. We come to verse 6. And also, before I even talk about verse 6, remember that God really loves all of us. And Jesus really highlights in the New Testament how the kingdom of God belongs to the children. So God is really for the children. So I uh, do not misunderstand these verses. Verse uh, 6, when the days of a purification for a son or a daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year old lamp for a bond offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. So we see how after the, the woman goes through this purification after childbirth, she has to come and offer a bond offering to the priest before she could start fellowship with the Israelite community and uh, fellowship with God. Okay, so that is what those verses are saying there. And uh, verse 7, uh, he shall offer them before the Lord. This is uh, talking about the priest shall offer the woman's offerings before the Lord to make atonement for her. And then she will be ceremonially clean uh, from her flow of blood. Okay, and then... The last uh, few verses there is talking about uh, how uh, the woman should bring uh, specific types of offering. If she give, gives birth to a boy or a girl, you can uh, read those on your own. So that brings us to the end of chapter 12, a very short uh, and brief to the point chapter. And also, for those of you who are not familiar with the scriptures, the uh, Gospels uh, teach us that when uh, Mary, the mother of our Lord, gave birth to our Lord, Jesus Christ, she gave as her offering turtle doves, okay? So just in case you are wondering why she had to do that, again, it was because it was uh, one of the ordinances that the Lord had given to Moses for uh, the Israelites to bring him specific types of sacrifices, especially for the woman after delivery. So we saw this in operation in the New Testament when uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to offer turtle dove as a sacrifice because, as we know, she wasn't very wealthy because this was what she was able to afford to the Lord wholeheartedly. All right. And, and also, this just came to mind. Let me say this. I'm not sure if you are aware of this. Human beings somewhere around the 16th century added chapters to each book of the Bible for clarity, for easy understanding. So the Old Testament people, when they read these books, it was all one book across. It was not divided by chapters and the verses were not even added. So all of this took place around the 16th century. So it's easier for us to understand. So some of these chapters are really short, at least to us today, but to the Jews, it was just one book, one running theme. Okay, so keep that in mind as we go through these uh, chapters. That is just a continuous running theme here. Okay, so now we are in chapter 13. We are going to learn the regulations about defiling skin diseases. Let's take a look at the first few um, 
verses here, beginning with uh, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, I am in verse 2, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. Some Bible translations such as the New King James uh, call, calls this here in verse 2, leprosy. Okay, so uh, some Bible uh, translations are referring to this as uh, leprosy. Keep that in mind. Uh, leprosy was a very, it was an incurable, deadly disease during that time, which required high-level um, separation or isolation so that it would not spread to other people. And in verse 3, the priest is the one to inspect the source. So God will use the priest as physicians here or healthcare practitioners to inspect this uh, source to determine if a person has an infectious skin disease uh, in process uh, there. So, and I bet you, I, I believe that the Lord would impart his wisdom to this priest in order for them to discern which skin condition was considered uh, infectious or not. So those verses tell us uh, that the priest is going to do the inspection. Uh, and then we are now down to uh, verse uh, 4. It talks about isolating the person if uh, infection is uh, uh, suspected and present. And then the person has to uh, be re-inspected again on the seventh day by the priest. That is verse 5. Uh, to see if uh, the skin is still diseased. You can read all of uh, uh, those verses on your own. And actually, after the priest did the inspection, the Lord had given them special instructions for how to deal with the uh, uh, sick person and his or her clothing. We are told that here uh, in verse 6, it says that on the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again. And if the sore has faded and has spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. And then it later on said that they must wash their clothes and they will be clean. And um, the rest of those verses you can read on your own. And in verse uh, verses 9 through 11, gives instructions for uh, inspecting the raw flesh that is uh, potentially unclean. You can read that on your own. And also verse 12 talks about if the disease uh, breaks out all over their skin and uh, if the priests uh, see that, that the person is affected from the head to the foot, it gives us instructions uh, what the priest is to do. You can read those on your own. Uh, verse 18 talks about boils on the skin and how the priest is to inspect that. Okay, verses 21 uh, all the way to 24. Again, instructions for the priest to inspect the skin. You can read those verses. We come to verse 24, which talks about burns. You see, even burns on the skin, the priest had to inspect that and isolate the person and gives the uh, order uh, whether they are clean or unclean. Uh, you can read those on your own. Uh, we come all the way to verse 29. Instructions, uh, if a man or a woman has a sore on his or, his or her head, on her chin, the priest is also to inspect that. And again, we come to verse 32. Again, on the seventh day, the priest is to re-evaluate them. Remember, seventh is the day of completion. Some of them had to go on isolation for seven days and at times for more than that. And the priest has to inspect them and give the clearance. So the bottom line here is that with all these skin diseases, they had no medications to treat them at that time. If you know anything about skin diseases, they can be very, very highly contagious, which explained why God in his wisdom who created the body knows that. So he gave instructions for the priests to inspect the skin, gave them instructions to isolate the individual in order to prevent spread of the 
of the disease. This does not necessarily mean that the person has committed a sin. Again, this was for, for their own betterment to keep the camp clean and to prevent the spread of germs. So that is what all of that is telling us. And, um, and the priest was responsible for actually giving them the uh, permission to start fellowship again with the rest of the Israelite community. Boy, the priest really had some powerful position here representing God. Man. Okay. And look at verse 45. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Remember, with the Jewish culture, torn clothes was a way of mourning, unkept hair. So if you were diagnosed by the priest with any of these diseases, you were to wear a torn cloth symbolizing that you are sick, you are unclean. That way, when you appear in public, others can recognize you and let their hair be unkept just like I had just explained cover the lower part of their face and cry out unclean unclean so this is how the people were to pronounce to everybody else that they were unclean so people can stay away from them so people do not get sick this may sound really harsh or embarrassing but you have to remember what's more important here for for the entire camp to get a disease and die or for one person to uh, announce that they are sick and as a result prevent thousands of others from getting sick. You see, that's what's happening here. So even though it might appear embarrassing for the person who is ill, well, it was only temporary, okay? And also the, the, the rest of the thousands of people had to be uh, made aware that, hey, there's somebody unclean around us. And the same thing is happening to us today. Even as a doctor, when a patient comes to see me and they have a contaminated disease, the patient does not have to scream, unclean, unclean, but no, their medical record tells me that they have a contaminated disease and I have to, to alert the other staff members, the nurses, the assistants I'm working with, that this patient has a contaminated disease, so you have to protect yourself. So that is really the same principle here. Okay, let's uh, come down to uh, verses 47 all the way to uh, 58. I'm going to give regulations about moles, okay? Fungal infections. Okay, fungal infections are truly opportunistic infections that would manifest in an unclean environment. The Lord knew this, so he was going to give them instructions to prevent this. And one thing to keep in mind with all these instructions, during that time, people didn't take regular baths. <laughs> people didn't bathe. The hygiene wasn't proper back then. And Middle East is as hot as hot. I mean, can you imagine in that hot desert, people not taking regular baths? They would smell and it would create an, an, an environment for fungal infection to manifest. So the Lord knew this and he had to give these people specific instructions how to care for themselves. I mean, you may laugh at these instructions, but they needed it. They truly needed these instructions. Otherwise, they wouldn't know. Okay, so uh, these uh, verses will give instructions how to take care of uh, mold. Again, we come to... Let's, let's look at verse 47. As for any fabric that is spoiled with a defiling mold, any woolen or linen clothing, any woven or knitted material of linen and wool, any leather or anything made of leather. These are examples of the type of fabric that could be contaminated with mold. And again, the priest is to inspect that. We are told that in verse 50. Wow, they have such a highly responsible job. Verse 51, again, on the seventh day, they are to examine it if the mole is still there or it's not there. And the Lord went on to give specific instructions how the uh, infected uh, fabric is to be handled. In verse 54, you can they were to be either washed, okay, or uh, we are told that in uh, verse 50. Seven, no, verse 55, rather, they can be burnt in verse uh, 56. After the priest examined them, they can tear a certain part 
that is affected. And then uh, in verse uh, 57, they can be burnt as well. So these are some of the prescriptions that uh, Aaron, the high priest, had to carry out in order to deal with this mold. Wash them, tear off the part that was affected, or you can or burn them. And then in verse 59, the Lord said, These are the regulations concerning defiling molds in a woolen or linen clothing. So he just went on to reiterate these instructions that had to be carried out across every generation. Okay, so, uh, in order to separate clean versus unclean. We uh, come to chapter 14. We are going to look at uh, cleansing from defiling skin diseases. The Lord will give us instructions uh, for various ceremonial cleansing from uh, defiling skin diseases. Uh, verse 2, these are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial uh, cleansing when they are brought to the priest. Okay, so these are the instructions that the priest had to carry out after he had inspected the uh, person who had the skin disease and um, then the priest will pronounce them clean and they have to carry out all this uh, ceremony, all these sacrifices uh, in order to uh, restore fellowship. Uh, in verse 4, uh, the priest shall order that two life-clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yen, hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. So the priest had to um, carry out these uh, instructions Apparently, the uh, scarlet yarn and the hyssop, uh, even, even the cedar wood has some uh, medicinal uh, herbal component in them that would help in the ceremonial cleansing uh, process, okay, before they could be pronounced uh, clean to restore uh, fellowship. And um, verses... 5 through 6 gave uh, further instructions. And verse 7 talks about how seven times he shall sprinkle uh, the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce, pronounce them clean. Again, seven, the number of completion. Verse 8, the person who is uh, cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off uh, all their hair and bathe with water before they could be considered uh, ceremonially clean wow this is uh god is so concerned about details this is amazing as i go through these verses i really appreciate how god cares about our cleanliness okay even though the principle is what matters here like i described earlier but the byproduct is that we end up being cleaned when we take care of the temple just like he was teaching these people during the old testament era okay uh, verse 9, on the seventh day, they have to shave off their hair. They must shave their head, their beard, their eyebrows, and the rest of their hair. Boy, this is all part of the ceremony now. And then on the eighth day, number eight in the Bible uh, represents a uh, new beginning. Okay, remember, number seven was com uh, the number of uh, completion. Number eight is new beginning. So in verse 10, on that eighth day, they have to bring uh, two male lambs. And they are going to um, also offer grain offering there. And the priest will take the lambs and uh, offer a guilt offering. We are told that in verse 12. Aaron is going to slaughter that. We are told that in verse 13. And, um, and he would uh, offer a sin offering. You can read all of those instructions, how the people had to uh, give the various offerings in order for fellowship to be restored once they are clean from their diseases. Okay, so uh, verses 17 all the way to verse 31 is just describing how the, the priest has to carry out the instructions for the various types of offering uh, in order to declare the person cleaned. You can read those verses on your own. Uh, we come to verse 32. These are the regulations for anyone who has a defiling skin disease and who cannot afford the regular offering for their cleansing. Those uh, were the various offerings that they were supposed to bring as listed in verses 19 all the way through 31. You can read those on your own. 
Okay, verses 33 all the way to verse 57 described the different instructions that the Lord gave to Moses and Aaron how to inspect a home for mold and how to treat a home that has mold in order to prevent spread of mold or mildew. We can read all of those um, on your own, very detailed instructions. And, and if you were to go look at uh, verse, uh, verses 52 all the way to uh, 53, Aaron is giving instructions there how to purify the house. We can read those. And um, in verse 54, uh, these are the regulations for defiling skin, for the sore, for molds in the house uh, that the Lord had given to the Israelites. And they were to keep that uh, throughout all the various uh, generations. So that brings us to the end of that chapter. And we come to chapter 15. Okay, chapter 15, we look at the... Um, Discharges causing uncleanliness that comes out of a person or out of a person's body. The Lord will give them specific instructions how to handle that. Let's take a look at the first few verses here. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any man has an unusual bodily discharge, such as a such a discharge is unclean, whether it continues flowing from his body or is blocked, it will make him unclean. This is how his discharge will bring about uncleanliness. So again, it's not to say that these people have sinned. Again, it's not to say that something is wrong with discharges that come out of the body. But again, the principle here is separation and also cleanliness. Because even today, in modern medicine, bodily fluids are considered contaminated. When we as healthcare provider, as a doctor, as I work with people, I have to wear gloves. I don't expose myself to other people's bodily secretions because they could carry infections and all kinds of uh, contaminants so again this is a good thing like i said before back then they did not have advancement in medicine they did not have the antibiotics so the lord had to give them these detailed instructions how to prevent diseases from bodily fluids and and uh, how to maintain a cleaner community and to separate themselves from the rest of the other nations. So these are very, very uh, graceful instructions from the Lord, in my view. Okay, uh, in verse 4, the Lord went on to give details about this. Uh, any bed uh, the man with a discharge lies on will be unclaimed. Okay, verse 5, anyone who touches his bed must wash their clothes and bathe with water. Okay, whoever, verse 6, whoever sits on anything the man with a discharge sat on must wash themselves and their clothes. Specific instructions. Verse 7, whoever touches the man who has a discharge must wash his or her clothing. Verse 8, if the man with a discharge spits on anyone who is clean, they must wash their clothing. Powerful hygiene instructions here that are still beneficial to us today boy when i see a patient if by accident i touch their their uh, bodily fluids i have to wash my hands uh the same infectious precautions practices that we have today given to us from uh, cdc which is a center of disease prevention tells us healthcare providers that we should wash our hands from one patient to another patient, even though we have gloves, much less. If somebody else's secretions touch us, we have to wash ourselves even longer. It's all the same thing to prevent contamination. So we see the Lord giving the same instructions. So don't get, don't lose track of all these instructions and say, oh, th those are not relevant. Well, yes, they are relevant because if you were to touch somebody's feces or urine, uh, you don't wash your hand and you eat something, you can catch a disease. So this is the same principle here. Okay, and the Lord uh, went on to uh, give them specific instructions um, such as in uh, verse 12, even a clay pot that the man touches uh, has to be broken. You can read those on, on your own. 
Verse 13, when a man is cleansed from his discharge, he is to count off seven days for his ceremonial cleansing. Again, seven, the number of our completion. And then verse 14, on the eighth day, he must take two doves or two pigeons. Again, eight, the number of new beginning, meaning that he is going to join fellowship again with the rest of the Israelite community after he had been ill. And he is going to offer a sacrifice. He will give that to the priest. That is verse 15. And um, uh, the priest is to sacrifice them, uh, one for the sin offering and the other for the burnt offering. Again, this is not to say that the person who uh, had this uh, bodily secretions has some sin in their life. But this is just how, remember what I, uh, what I said at the beginning of the book of Leviticus. The Old Testament people how to how to perform all these sacrifices and all this offering in order to restore fellowship with the Lord. Uh, whether they sin or not, uh, at times it was due to obvious sin and disobedience. At times it was to restore fellowship back with the Lord. So they had to offer various sacrifices, all right? Okay, uh, Let's look at verse 16. Uh, when a man has an emission of semen, he must bathe his whole body with water and he will be unclean till evening. Now, this is not saying that something is wrong with sex. Please do not take this to mean that God hates sex. God doesn't want people to have sex because during sex you get sick. No. God has ordained sex and consecrated sex in a marital relationship only. God approves sex only between a man and a woman who are married. Sex outside of marriage is sin. So God is, is saying that during this Old Testament era, a semen, during intercourse, people still have to clean themselves, okay? That is all that this is uh, saying here. It doesn't mean that God does not want sex, no. And it's still a good habit today, okay? And even as a healthcare provider, we teach young women uh, to take a bath or to clean themselves right after sex because it cuts back on the uh, rate of infection. Did you know that? Oh, yes. We see a lot of young women who have a bladder infection, vaginal infection, because they don't clean themselves right after intercourse. So we teach them right after intercourse, take a bath, clean yourself to prevent infection. That's the same thing happening here. Okay, so we come down to verse 19. When a woman has her regular flow of blood, the impurity of a monthly period will last seven days and anyone who touches her will be unclean till the evening. Again, uh, bodily secretion. The woman has to purify herself for seven days. The same principle still applies. God is awesome. Man, you know, the average woman has a menses for seven to ten days and this is really, God is saying that for seven days, no one should, should uh, touch her because she has to purify herself. This is amazing. God knows the body. Glory to God. Wow. I mean, as a doctor, as a healthcare practitioner, everything here about taking care of the human body is absolutely relevant today. We still carry out these practices in different ways. All right. We come down to verse 20. Anything she lies on during her period will be unclean. The Lord just went on to explain how she has to ask. Uh, Purify herself. Anyone who touches her would be considered unclean. Again, it does not mean the woman has sinned. It's just the process of purification. Look at verse 24. If a man has sexual relations with her and her monthly flow touches him, he will be unclean for seven days. The same principle. Verse 25. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge. See, the Lord is separating a regular blood flow during menstruation to blood flow that persists beyond menstruation. Okay, today we would call that chronic hemorrhage or chronic bleeding from the vagina. This was uh, considered unclean. So the Lord went on to give instructions about treating that person um, who has a prolonged 
uh, hemorrhage or bleeding, and he gave instructions about others who would come in contact with that uh, person. You can read all of those instructions, which reminds me of the story in the Gospels. Uh, uh, one Gospel come to my Mark chapter 5 about the woman with the issue of blood. Remember uh, Mark chapter 5, the woman who had a, a bleeding disorder and was considered unclean and had spent all of her money with the doctors and nobody would heal her. And then when she heard of Jesus, she, she said to herself, if I may touch just the hem of his garment, I will be well. And she crawled on the ground and touched the hem of uh, Jesus' garment and instantly she was healed. That whole story, that is, that is the background of that woman's disease right here because she had chronic bleeding disorder or chronic hemorrhage and she was considered unclean and she had to crawl on, on the ground and to touch the, the hem of Jesus' garment and that took bold faith because she was considered unclean and if... Uh, uh, she, she was found out that was that that she was in public. She would have been stoned to death. But she took a chance. She crawled, and then when she touched the hem of Jesus's garment, she was made well. So this is where that law came from, okay? Because she had this prolonged hemorrhage. I just wanted to give you a background, uh, a brief background there. Okay, we come down to. Verse 29, and then on the eighth day, of course, the uh, day of new beginning, this person has to bring animals for the sacrifice in order for, uh, for he, uh, her to restore a fellowship with the Israelite community. You can read uh, all of those in those verses there. Look at verse 31. You must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean so they will not die in their uncleanliness for defiling my dwelling place which is among them. Just like what I have been saying all along. These were protective laws to protect the people from, from dying of some disease, some infection, and separating them from the other nations. Uh, that is what those verses actually are saying. Verse 32, these are the regulations for a man with a discharge for any uh, for anyone made unclean by an emission of semen for a woman in a monthly period. And the Lord just went on to say that these were the laws or ordinances that they had to keep for people who had bodily discharges or prolonged hemorrhage. Okay, we now come to chapter 16. Okay, we come to um, chapter 16, which is considered by many Bible teachers like myself, many Bible scholars, uh, that this is the most significant chapter of the entire book of Leviticus and one of the most significant chapters in the entire Old Testament scriptures because um, it is called the Day of Atonement. This is one day, an annual event. It was a big deal that the high priest Aaron uh, had to offer an annual sacrifice for the entire nation of Israel plus his own sin in order to atone for the sins of the entire community and for his own personal sin. And all of these uh, activities we're just foreshadowing Christ Jesus who has come and has died in our place and has offered the perfect sacrifice and has atoned for sins permanently. So we're still going to go over this chapter because it, it truly helped us to appreciate what Jesus did for us. Okay, so... Um, like I said before, just a few principles here. This is the Day of Atonement, the greatest day of the year for the Jews. Okay. And uh, principle number two, before I even teach on this uh, chapter, the Old Testament uh, law or this Day of Atonement only covered sins. It was a temporary 
event. It could not remove the sins permanently because Jesus had not come in the flesh to die for our sins. So this was a temporary solution to manage the sins of the Israelite community as a whole and the sins of the priest. Okay, and during this uh, annual event, the uh, nation of Israel would confess their sins as a nation. Okay, all of their disobedience, all of their sins, all of their, their everything they had done throughout the year. And then the high priest, who back then was Aaron, would get into the Holy of Holies and offer an animal sacrifice to uh, atone for their sins. But like I said, uh, Jesus Christ had done that for us. So let's take a closer look at uh, certain verses here. Let's look at the first few verses. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord, obviously inappropriately. Verse 2, the Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come <laughs> Uh, whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark. You see how God is already pre-warning Aaron that you're not going to approach the Holy of Holies the way you want. You're going to go to the Holy of Holies in accordance with my instructions. Else you're going to die like, like your children. Okay. And so the Lord is saying all this in, prepara in preparing him for that big event. So... Uh, he, let's uh, pick it up here towards the end of uh, verse 2 there. Uh, Aaron, he should not come whenever he chooses into the most holy, uh, behind the curtain, in front of the atonement cover, else he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. We are now in verse 3. God is going to give instructions uh, regarding how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He has to first bring a young bull for a sin offering, <laughs> That's verse 3. And a ram for a bond offering. Okay. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic. Essentially, he has to, he was supposed to get dressed. Wow. And uh, he, he is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. Wow. <laughs> he has to approach God in an orderly manner. God is orderly. Wow. Today we have uh, ministers and, and, um, other, and others who approach God in a very um, poorly looking attire. That is not impressive, okay? We need to be presentable. When we approach God, we need to be presentable when we teach the word of God in front of people because we are the ones that represent God in front of the people. We need to look presentable. That is important. Okay, we come down here. The Lord is saying that uh, these are sacred garments and uh, Aaron has to bathe himself with water, cleansing himself before he, he puts on this uh, garment. Verse 5, the Israelite community... Uh, are to bring two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a bond offering. Verse 6, Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Verse 7, then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So here's what's happening. The Lord is going to use um, verses 6 through 10 are describing how the Lord would use two ways to deal with sins, okay? And uh, we are told here, if you come down, let's take a look at verse uh, 7. Then he is to take the two goats, so we have two goats, and present them before the Lord. And then in verse 8, he is to cast a lot for the two goats. Of course, casting a lot, like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit was not indwelling this indwelling these people so lot had to be casted but again god guided the decision supernaturally one lot for the lord and the other for the scapegoat so aaron aaron was supposed to cast this last this uh lot one would be for the lord one of the goats will, would, would be for the lord for the sacrifice and the other one would be a scapegoat 
Verse 9, Aaron shall bring the gold whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. So out of these two goats, one of them is supposed to be used as a sin offering to sacrifice for the sins of the entire community and for the sin or sins of Aaron and his household. The second goat is a scapegoat, uh, the one that uh, they would send off into the wilderness. We will talk about that uh, later on. Let's come back to verse 10. But the goat chosen by Lot as a scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Are you getting this picture here? So one of out of these two goats, one will be sacrificed, one will be killed, and the blood will be sprinkled to make atonement, okay, in the Holy of Holies. The second goat will not be clean, uh, killed. It will be sent out into the wilderness to represent the fact that the people's sin have been forgotten, never to be remembered anymore. We will get into those details later on. In verse 11, Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement uh, for himself and for his household. Verses 11 all the way through verse 14 goes on to describe how Aaron has to carry out this process of atonement. You can read those verses on your own. Let's come to verse 15. He shall slaughter the goat for the sin offering. Now we, we are talking about the one of the goats, the one that after casting lot landed on the side of the Lord that they're going to use as a sacrificial animal for the sin offering. So this goat will be slaughtered as a sin offering for the people and his blood uh, will be sprinkled on the atonement cover and in front of it. I mean, verse uh, 16. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanliness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. Okay? So this just went on to describe how Aaron ha would carry out this uh, animal sacrifice to atone for the sins of the entire uh, community. We look at verse 17. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out. So only Aaron was allowed into this holy of holies. Remember I talked about earlier how Aaron had to go through this big deal of ordination and consecration because the high priest was the only one who would have that privilege to get into the holy of holies where he would meet God there and make the atonement for the sins of the community. So we see Aaron as the high priest fulfilling that duty here with one of the uh, goats. So uh, you can read those verses on your own. Let's come down to verse 20. When Aaron had finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. Okay, remember the second goat. Okay, remember one had already been killed or one would be killed and one was not to be killed. The one that was not to be killed would be the scapegoat, the goat that would be driven into the wilderness. We're going to talk about that goat now. This is a second way God will, would deal with sin during the Old Testament era. So verse 21, uh, Aaron is to lay both hands on the head of the life goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins and Put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. So we see the second way how God was dealing with sin of the Israelites during this uh, day of atonement. After the uh, first goat has been killed and the blood uh, sprinkled on the atonement cover. The second way is Aaron would lay his hands on, on the goat that was still alive by laying of his hands, he is transferring the sins of the entire Israelite community into this scapegoat, into this animal. Okay, that is the principle of uh, substitution. He's taking the sins of the people, placing it on this animal, and then this animal will be sent to the wilderness, gone, never to return. Okay, 
that's what this is uh, teaching us here. And then uh, verse verses 23 all the way to 25 is giving instructions what Aaron had to do after completing his task uh, for the atonement. And then verse 26 gives instructions how the person who uh, was appointed to be responsible for taking care of the scapegoat had to wash his clothes, how he himself had to cleanse himself after carrying out that task. Uh, coming down to verse 29, this is to be a lasting uh, ordinance for you. On the 10th day of the seventh month, you must deny yourself and not to do any work. So the Lord just went on to explain uh, how they have to carry out these instructions. Uh, come to verse 30, because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. It is a day of Sabbath rest and you must deny yourself. It is a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. Essentially, the Lord is saying that this, this day of atonement is, a, is an annual event that has to take place generations to come and um this is uh, something that the jews practiced for years and years until jesus christ uh, came who has uh, fulfilled this day of atonement uh, like i said earlier because jesus christ like we are told out of hebrews chapter 10 offered himself on the cross uh as the perfect lamp, as a sacrificial lamp for the sins of the entire world, although each one of us has to accept uh, his sacrifice by choice and come into a relationship with God through Christ. So this is so important. Just, uh, just, just to summarize here, the Day of Atonement, the Lord had to deal with the sins of the Israelite community in two ways. The first way was the animal sacrifice, Okay, and the blood was sprinkled on the uh, uh, atonement uh, cover seat, the mercy seat, to atone for the sins of the entire community and, and also to atone for the sins of Aaron and his sons. And then the second way was that the sins of the Israelite community, including the sins of Aaron and his sons, were uh, transferred onto the scapegoat through the practice of laying on of uh, Aaron's hands Onto the scapegoat, transferring uh, the sins onto this scapegoat, and then uh, letting the scapegoat to get into the wilderness uh, and go and never to return, symbolizing symbolizing how the Lord had forgotten the sins of the people, never to be remem remembered anymore. And we are also told in Psalms 103 that God forgets our sins as far as the east is from the west, He doesn't remember anymore. And uh, of course, Jesus Christ has atoned for all of our sins. God, uh, through Christ, has made a one-time sacrifice. So in the Day of Atonement, the Jews had to do this every year. But Jesus has come and he has done this once. The Day of Atonement is no longer necessary. It's no longer to be carried out because Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice, the substitutionary death for the sins of the entire world, but each of us must accept his sacrifice by our own choice. So that brings us to the end of chapter 16. So let's take a look at the major principles we have learned from these uh, chapters. Okay, so uh, what are the major principles we can learn out of these uh, chapters? Chapters are 12 through 16. Principle number one, we've learned about purification, okay? And we talked about uh, uh, purification after childbirth, uh, bodily fluids, clean versus unclean, purification from bodily emissions. We've talked about purification from uh, skin diseases. And we talked about how, how all of these even though it was meant to set the Israelites apart, uh, the byproduct of that was that God was able to maintain them as a cleaner nation as he taught them uh, 
principles of cleanliness and to take care of the physical body, his temple. Another major principle or the most significant principle out of uh, these chapters, especially chapter 16, is the Day of Atonement. I talked about that, how the high priest had to carry out this uh, an, a major endeavor in preparation for the, door, the Day of Atonement to atone for the sins of the Israelite community, including his own sin. But then Jesus Christ has uh, fulfilled all of that. We talked about that. So what are the major applications? Application number one, it is still relevant as uh, God's uh, children to care for his temple. Okay. Uh, even though we don't have specific instructions uh, given to us by God as far as cleanliness, bodily emission, but all of these things are, are actually still applicable today so we can maintain uh, cleanliness and cut back on infectious diseases and prevent contamination uh, from others. So yes, we still have to uh, prevent transmitting diseases to others when we are ill. We still have to uh, stay away from people who are not sick. Again, if somebody has a flu today, they will not go to work. They will not go to uh, school. If uh, somebody has uh, some kind of skin infection, and they go to the hospital, they will be on isolation so that they don't uh, transmit that to the staff and to other people. The same principle applies today, uh, taking care of God's temple. And uh, the most important application is the fact that Jesus Christ, as we are told all over the scriptures, and especially the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, highlighting this principle that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ rather, has offered a one-time sacrifice for the sins of the entire world so the day of atonement is no longer necessary that has been fulfilled in christ uh it's a one-time sacrifice he died once for everybody for the sins of the entire world although each person has to make a decision to accept him so the day of, of atonement is no longer necessary because we live in a new covenant where christ has taken care of that so that brings me to the end of this episode and I think I, I want to just say right now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to just say he died for your sins. Okay, remember I explained this substitutionary death, how Aaron had to lay his hand on that scapegoat. Jesus died in place of you. Had Jesus not died, you would have had to die and, and, and deal with your own sin and its consequences. Uh, after meeting God upon your death. But Jesus has taken care of all of that. Jesus died for your individual sin. So if you've not accepted Jesus into your life, I'm giving you the opportunity right now to accept Jesus because he fulfilled all of these Old Testament laws. The book of Acts teaches us, I believe Acts chapter 4, that there is no other name by which salvation must come. It can only come through the person Jesus Christ because he was the perfect fulfillment of all of God's laws. You cannot approach God without coming through Christ Jesus. There is only one God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he died because he loved you. He wants to reconcile with you. He loves you. And Jesus himself said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot know the only true living God without coming through Jesus Christ. This is non-negotiable. Jesus Christ is the way to God the Father. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, it's simple. You just ask, ask just simply ask him to come into your life. He will come into your life right now. So if you need help, Doing that, I'm going to just simply ask you to say this simple prayer. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I receive your forgiveness and I accept, I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need a savior, Jesus Christ. Forgive me for not acknowledging this before. Dear God, I believe in my heart that Jesus died 
from my sins. And he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he is alive today. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life right now. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. By faith today, I believe you have answered my prayer. And Jesus, you've accepted me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer genuinely, Jesus Christ is living on the inside of you. And you have been sealed instantly by the Holy Spirit. And by faith, I declare you as a true follower of Jesus Christ. Would you contact us so we can help you with more material to help you grow? Welcome to God's kingdom. Father God, I thank you for all the listeners today. I just thank you that you're such a good God, that you, you sent your beloved son, Jesus, to die for our sins so we can have a relationship with you. We just thank you. You're such a good God. Today, we just want to offer our thanks to you. We just worship you. We thank you. We love you. We elevate you. You're such a good God. We just thank you for your Holy Spirit that is guiding us moment by moment. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that has reconciled us into that relationship with you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the thanks. And by faith, we believe you have accepted our praise and and our thanksgiving to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we say amen.